shit gets a little dark this month. In Rose Silly Lightning we're talking about a parent dealing with the death of a child. Pedro and me discusses the AIDS epidemic. Growing up during Iran's revolution and civil war is the focus of Persepolis. We finish with Fun Home, Alison Beckdale's tale of coming of age and the suicide of her closeted dad. We're getting personal, with a month of autobiographical comics. Go ahead with your own life, leave me alone. Come on, you fuckers think that just cause a guy reads comics he can't hurt me shit? Oh, fucking take all you want! Welcome to this week's episode of the each week a motley band of comic readers slash amateur bard contenders attempt to pair cocktails with comic books. All while trying to not sound like complete morons in the process. And the clock is ticking, and we are uh, rolling, and hey, welcome to episode, I don't remember, of the Funny Books of Firewater podcast. We are beginning our <laughs> month of death and desperation and sadness. Um, AKA it's, it's, real life. <laughs> yeah, because because we don't have enough of that going on in life right now. In retrospect, we planned this to seem like a great theme, like, hey, we'll do autobiographies, that'll be great. And then it was, and then we started actually reading them, and uh, yeah, yeah, because people only write autobiographies that are sad. I, yeah, I really need to look into an autobiography. Actually, no, you know what we should have done. Actually, now that I think about it. Okay, to start out with, if if you're looking for an autobiography that's that's happy and funny, uh, what's that Hollywood one um, that Bendis wrote, Todd, that you recommended to me? Sunset Boulevard. Fortune and Glory. Fortune and Glory. Sunset Boulevard, <laughs> <laughs> Boulevard is death and destruction as well. No, Fortune and Glory is funny. It is an autobiography that's funny. So if you need a little palate cleanser, you know, after all of this, that's fine. Mm-hmm. This week we are reading, I think, Todd, was this originally your recommendation? This one was, yes. Uh, it was also, I was doing some research on it. It was also recommended by Oprah. Take that for what you will. So we are doing Rosalie Lightning this week, a heartfelt tale of uh, fun and happiness. And oh, wait, no, it's about a person whose child dies. So it's about a family or uh, about a couple dealing with the death of their daughter before the mm. age of two. Super fun and silly and great and not at all. Though um, so we have our standard accoutrement back from Hawaii, a nice uh, extra crispy and maybe even a little spicy from your uh, local KFC menu we have, Todd. Yes, yes. My flight landed actually less than an hour ago, so I just came rushed home, and here I am. I spent too long in the in Hawaii, and I'm nice and burnt, and happy to be here to talk about this great subject. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll try to make it positive. Yep. 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 Okay. The queen of all things positive. We have the immaculate Q. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, day of positivity, 104 today. Um, but 104 days, folks. Um, hi, I'm Q. Um, I do... This, uh, oh, so last night our theater um, announced its next season. Um, and in a very short fashion, I've already been asked to costume half of the season, which is pretty cool. So, um, <laughs> nice. After Sister Act, I'll be doing our holiday show, which we're still in negotiations to get rights for it, so we can't announce what show it is yet. Um, and then I will be doing right after that Boeing Boeing, which is a, a fun uh, farce. And then um, Calendar Girls, which I'm I'm very much looking forward to. A bunch of old ladies get naked. Yeah. So it's the story <laughs> of my life. Oh, yeah. Old ladies getting naked is part of your story life yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, well, um. Eventually, yes. <laughs> so, okay. I, so it's a the play based on on the movie, which is also based yeah. on real life. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. It'll be an interesting show. Nude old ladies coming to a theater near mm-hmm. you, kids. 
the expert on new old ladies, we have Adam. Hello. <laughs> hey, everyone. Uh, it's me, Adam. Uh, I write for uh, Big Shiny Robot doing movie reviews and also uh, the Board as Hell podcast with Andy. Uh, who will be? Hi, Andy. Uh, who will actually be here soon? He's gonna uh, be here for next week's episode, which I'm really excited. He about. is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of nice. We're out of February, which means all the shitty movies have stopped coming out because there was a run. Of, there was a run of horrible things for a while. Um, but yeah, we got uh, we got the Beauty and the Beast remake coming up. We got Power Rangers, Kong. So Logan. Keep on, yeah, well, Logan I already saw. So I'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, just lots of cool stuff coming up, and keep an eye on my Facebook page. I'm sure we'll be giving out lots of free tickets to go see stuff, so have fun there, and yep. uh, depending when this comes out, either it's almost FanX, and hopefully you'll see some of us on panels. So This is about two weeks before FanX, yeah, so I think. Should, this is should, the first week of March. So mm-hmm. we should know by then. We should know by then if we're actually on any panels. <laughs> so if we're on any panels, check our website, um, www.funnybooksandfirewire.com. Um, I will do my best to post our schedule on there, um, and uh, you know I'll post in a blog form, and we'll probably put it on our Facebook and our Instagram and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so um, we would love for you to come out and see, see us and say hi. Also, uh, so hi, I'm Brian. I'm a sound designer in Southern California. I am. I thought I was designing, but I'm not. I'm just guest lecturing at a uh, at uh, QNI's alma mater <laughs> um, in April. I will be uh, I will be up as a guest lecturer. How fucked up is that, kids? Um, so uh, I'm I'm the adult in the room telling people how to uh, to survive the perils of working in the entertainment industry. But so yeah, so they're doing a show called uh, Big River. So uh, because I've basically been doing musicals since I was 16 years old, as Todd can attest to. Yes. Um, I happen to know a thing or two about how to mix a musical and, and do that kind of thing. So I'm going in and I'm going to help uh, some students, uh, you know, survive uh, teching a musical. Wait, where do, they, where do they find another black person? I thought that the only black people were when we were there. What, what's, what show did I say? <laughs> Big River. Big River. Oh, sorry. They're doing Big Fish. Oh, Big Fish. I'm sorry. Fish. That's what they're doing. Okay. Yes, I apologize. They're doing Big Fish. No, but uh, they actually, when I, this summer, um, I did I did, I did, did their summer stock. I did uh, uh, the old Lyric, and they had uh, two black students in that. So, um, but yeah. But they are doing, uh, they are doing, uh, that Lyric is doing Big River this summer, which I haven't officially signed my contract yet as of recording of this. Hopefully it's supposed to be coming, but I will not only be designing that, but I will also be mixing that. So if you come out to Lyric and uh, see Big River, come up to the sound booth and say hi and tell me you listen to the show and I'll love to meet you and say hi. I'm still kind of um, reeling I- from the fact that they're having all the black people in Utah in one place. Isn't that kind of dangerous? Yeah, it's it's a dangerous thing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, uh, a very good friend of mine. I uh, I uh, I mean, I loved. Uh, actually, I think Q. Do you know Trevor? Trevor. He might have come in just after you. Mm-hmm. He was he went to Utah State as well. But um, Todd and I met him because we were working at a little small community theater company, and uh, they had booked the show Shenandoah Mm -hmm. without thinking about the fact that there are no black kids in Utah. Um, (laughs) So they ended up uh, hunting down Trevor. In fact, I think Trevor's one of the few people who was paid to do it because they need a black kid. And and not to say anything negative about Trevor because he's an extraordinarily talented guy, and I love him dearly. Yes. Um, He now actually lives out in, uh, in New York with his lovely, I think, boyfriend. I don't think they're married. I'm assuming, but they're a very cute couple. But uh, yeah, but uh, Trevor, uh, I love dearly. But uh, yeah, I met him at that community theater because they they needed a black cat, and like in Utah, that's hard to come by, uh, which is kind of funny. So anyway, but yeah, so I don't. Uh, but yeah, well, they are doing Big River this summer. They're also doing uh, the Foreigners, which I have never read, um, which I'm very curious about. And then we're doing Wait Until Dark and uh, the Complete Works of William Shakespeare Abridged, um, and I will be sound designing those hopefully. The Foreigners has KKK members in it. That's all I remember. Oh well, that'll be fun and awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, so did I tell you about the most awkward sound design I ever did no. when I was in North Carolina? I was working for this theater company called the Alliance Theater Company. They were in an old Woolworths building that they had been converted into the theater. So, like, the, the bottom floor where the original lobby was, where the theater was, and their offices were up in the upper floors up above. So that. And it was, it was a great theater company. They did some great, really interesting work. I actually liked working there. But so they, um, down the street was where the original, well, part of, I mean, there was more than one element to the uh, civil rights movement where the Greensboro sit-ins occurred, where the, uh, the students... Um, from the local college, the black students sat at the counter 
uh, requesting to be served and basically sat there in protest because they could be served at the counter, but they couldn't sit and eat at the counter. Um, and so that actual location was just down the street, and they were turning it into a civil rights museum. So in conjunction with when it was supposed to open, the museum ended up running late, but where our theater show was still on schedule, we ended up doing a show called North Star, which was a pre-existing show, but part of the plot of it involved the family being involved in these protests. And it was this really weird thing because the, the director was an African-American director who um, the theater company had worked with before, but she she was basically causing the original sound designer like just fits like it was just being a complete nightmare to her so i was the assistant sound designer so and it was a and it was part of our grad student progress so we were pro- projects for that so we were doing it kind of through the university so my professor from grad school ended up taking over the show for about four hours um, until he got into a huge argument with the director, accusing her of, you know, basically causing this girl to have a nervous breakdown and go to the hospital and all that kind of stuff. So then they come up and ask me if I would still be willing to do it. But what they do, because they don't know if all these issues with her are racially tensioned or not, they hire a African-American student to be my assistant slash be the sound designer basically as a buffer just in case. And they all they did was they sat there and read a book the entire time. But so I was doing the sound design... And part of it was I had to have basically race, racist comments being shouted at the at the cast. So rather than we couldn't just have the white actors do it, it was too awkward and weird. So what we ended up doing is having all of the African American actors say all the things that they had heard had been said to their family and all that stuff and sort of had this catharsis moment which was a hauntingly horrible thing to be experienced of. And then I had to play that back nightly through speakers mm-hmm. at this audience. It was horribly awkward for this white kid from Utah to have to deal with uh, having little to no experience with, uh, you know, black people at that point in time. (laughs) That being said, uh, getting into Rosalie Lightning. Uh, So I don't know, Todd, if you've been here, but we've been kind of trying different things as to see whether or not uh, we would recommend people to read this book before we, you know, sort of go all spoilerific on it. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Before we do that, Todd, do you want to kind of give just a a brief explanation as to what it is, spoiler-free? Rosalie Lightning is a graphic memoir by Tom Hart, so you can see that one on the front cover of it. And it is a, um, as an autobiography, it's the um, journey of this author as he uh, goes through having his daughter with he and his wife, and then the um, daughter leaves them suddenly, and then dealing with the aftermath. Cool. Yep. So that's yeah, not cool. Or not cool. Or not cool. Not cool. That's not that's cool. Not Sorry, cool but that's it. Yeah. I will have to watch my phraseology on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, we last week we tried doing grades like A, go out and read it right now. You know, F is you know obviously you know for Q would be the pro. <laughs> um, and, uh, but so so grade wise, uh, let's just go around the room as to what people would kind of grade this as. I'll start. Why not? I'm um, looking yeah. at this. I recommended this earlier uh, before we actually did it here. I really enjoyed it. So it, it is very somber in a lot of ways as you go through, and it's quite the emotional journey. For the excellence in which it brings you along this more emotional journey, I'll have to give that an A. I mean, just don't read it if you want to be happy and chipper after the fact, but <laughs> you'll be glad you did okay. at the end. So yeah, uh, Adam, what's your what's your thought? So I, I'm really mixed on this book, uh, not because I don't think it's excellent, and not that I don't think it's it's a very very well told story, but as far as having someone hey go out and read this right away, I, I can't mm-hmm. really recommend that because to me it's almost like this this book is would speak to someone who maybe had lost a child or was dealing with the different stages of grief, um, and as much as I think it was it was well done, it's, it's amazing. I never want to read it again. Uh, so I'm, I'm at a B plus. As much as I would say yes, it's, it's something that everyone should read. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it people should read it at a certain time in their life when it's necessary, and not something that you're going to want to go out and like enjoy on your, your Saturday afternoon. So you put okay. it something similar like Schindler's List. Yeah, exactly. It's it, you. It's something important. Something that's that's that mm-hmm. I, I think everyone should experience. But there's a time and a place for that, and you need to find yeah. That. Absolutely. Hugh, do you want to go next or you want me no, to go next? I'll, I'll go next. I'm very much in agreement with Adam. Like, it mm-hmm. is a rough read. So I'm, again, not going to be like, oh, you need to drop everything you're doing right now and go read this immediately because, girl, you ain't going to be prepared for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll talk more about it, you know, once we can kind of talk about, uh, um, you know, I'll, I'll talk more about it later. But, yeah... I would give it a B because it's like yes, this is a good book and you should read it. It's it's well written, 
for the most part and you know all of that stuff but you you can't read it because you have to read it like we did mm-hmm. I feel like you need to be more emotionally ready for it um, I'm gonna be the the downer of the group on mm-hmm. this one since there always seems to be one person who disagrees um, I'm going with like a, a C my issue actually is with the writing um, and we'll get into it when we discuss it um, not necessarily the writing quality but the the story in general and I feel like a total asshole like I'm gonna be flat out honest about you like I feel like an asshole because this guy has obviously poured his heart into a book about the loss of his child mm-hmm. And I understand that. I guess from my perspective, to not get too spoilery about my opinion on it, I feel like feel like he wrote this book too soon and too in depth of the process of grieving. I feel like it there isn't enough of him coming out of the other end of the tunnel to make this a valuable experience as a reader. Um, I feel like it's almost too flat and too in the depths of misery and doesn't peek its head out enough. For survival at the end, so I don't feel like the the, the 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 author as a character. I don't feel like his journey takes him far enough in this particular story. Not to say that this this man didn't eventually start to cope and move on with his life. I just don't see it in this book. Is I guess the 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 easy simple way I can say it without getting too spoilery. Even though I probably did get a little more spoilery than I wanted. But so most people are kind of in agreement uh, that you know if you're going to read it, you you need to be ready for. For it, or you need to, you need the, you, you might need the catharsis as well. Although, if I had a child who just died, I don't think I'd read this book. I think mm-hmm. I'd probably be trying to read something else, um, as the character in this book actually describes a little bit as well. So we're going to forego the drinking game this week because, frankly, it just not does not feel right to do it all. We may be assholes. We're not that big of asshole. Now is your chance if you would like to read it. Um, it you know, most of us agree that it is a, a quality book. You know, now is your chance to do so. I also feel like, to be honest with you, if you Wanted to read this book. Didn't want to read it now. I feel like this is just my guess. We haven't recorded the rest of this, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this is a sort of book where everyone's going to get their own thing out of it. And so even listening to us spoil it is not necessarily going to ruin this book for you if you want to go back and read it, you know, in future point in time. However, if you want to drop everything and read it right now, uh, now's your chance. We'll take a little break. And uh, when we get back, uh, we'll go all spoilerific on this. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now... Press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. See, yay! I'm Debbie Downer this week. Hooray! <laughs> I'm the I'm, negative Nancy. Like, these two books back to back are so depressing. I'm not even drinking today. I well, and that's part of my thing is. Mm-hmm. So the next book we're we're doing obviously is Pedro and Me. I felt like that was a more positive experience towards the end, and that I felt more uplifting. Well, but. We can talk about that more when we get to talk about Pedro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll, we, we can do the compare and contrast when we yeah, get I, to that. Part. I gotcha. I, I'm sitting there more with Brian on that one. Like at least, like it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it later with Pedro. I don't want to. Yeah, we'll, we'll cross, get, there's a lot to get to. Streams, well, the, so. Yeah. Okay. So then we'll just we'll just dive in on this then. Okay. So <laughs> so Rosalie Lightning. First of all, so I'm gonna put this out for this book as well. Um, I'm extremely uncomfortable doing a um, lightning round of this because the totally because the book is written in stream of consciousness, so really yeah, there is round. no yeah. through line linear story to tell. Um, yeah. In a nutshell, these people have a kid, raise her, um, she dies, and they are they feel incomplete, and even at the end, there it like it. It sort of ends being like, okay, well, there obviously is going to be more things that happen, but we've come to some semblance of the smallest amount of closure. Like, that's yeah. that's kind of what I got out of it. And, I mean, there are, like, life events that you could, like, plot-wise go through, but to me, it's not important. No, and, and I, I agree with that, that mm-hmm. it's not necessarily important to the plot, and it is, it is about the overall experience. My beef with this book, as I sort of said earlier, is I felt like, and a lot of times, I mean, I've, I've read other books similar about, you know, people dealing with sort of things. I mean, I've read a lot of biographies um, of different, you know, people, some I actually kind mm-hmm. of quite enjoy. But the thing about it is, is that you always get a sense of 
how that person eventually coped, what eventually pulled them through. And that's part of my issue I have with this book is that throughout the entire book, he, he mentions heroes' journeys and other great stories and things like that. And he talks about a lot of that, but he never really fulfills a hero's journey. So it almost is like harkening back to, oh, hey, you went through this, but you haven't got out. So like, I felt like by the end of the book, that small semblance of maybe he was getting a little bit better, I didn't feel like it was enough of a payoff for me, having read all of this. I felt like it was just all down and, the entire and, time. And, and my, and my mm-hmm. issue with your critique of that is, because it's real life. Real life is I, not I a hero's that. journey. And it's one of the reasons that I liked it. Is, uh, and by liked, I'm going to use it in, I guess, more of a literary term. Because, girl, no, I did not like having to read this <laughs> book. But, yeah. um, because it is, mm-hmm. it's real life. And, like, the, when he's super, like, when they're just super depressed. And, the, the like, his art style, when, like, they just feel gross. And it's just hard, black lines. And, um, mm-hmm. you know. Your life isn't a hero's journey. <laughs> My life is not. Yeah. His life is not. And even though that's the way that he can kind of relate because he has no way of dealing with his emotions. And and again, I think that's why he did it very close to, to, when, it, to when it was happening because he didn't mm-hmm. know what else to do. I mean, I, I for a fact, don't know how I could ever or even function... Um, and you know they were dealing with like trying to sell their house that they were trying to fuck yeah. them over on and mm-hmm. just going on these vacations just to prove the fact that they're not dead pretty much yeah. um, and again waking up every day kind of kind of a thing um, I mean it's a rough read and it was a very hard to get through um, and again and this is just us reading this guy's life Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is completely different than anything that we read because it's real, um, and and they it's portrayed as real because so so to try to compare it to a hero's journey is unfair um, because it's not. The thing is though is he's making those comparisons within the book itself, uh, and and so no, I mean he keeps bringing up references. To, I mean he talks about different movies he's watching things. Like that. The thing about it is is like I, I feel like because obviously I haven't gone through that same sort of thing, but I mean if you were to compare it with other loss of you know other family members, my grandfather or even like a relationship breakup, when you're in the midst of it, yes it's ugly, but eventually you gain some sort of perspective on it, and I feel like that perspective is beneficial and something we're sharing. I don't feel like we get that perspective on the other end. Like I feel like we share in that. An experience with him of, of it being, you know, a horrible, horrible experience. But we we don't get the catharsis of eventually growing out of it the way he does by the end of the book. All we really get is sort of the macabre feeling of, well, thank God that's not my life. Almost, you know, where I would like to have seen maybe even like a few more pages, maybe a little bit more of his experience of him eventually saying, and you know, things eventually got better. Because the other thing too was is that um, in the beginning of the book, he talks about like I think in the in the dedications, he talks about the child they had afterwards mm-hmm. about this being about her sister or whatnot and I kind of kept expecting it to be like you know somewhere at that point in time this child helped start to bring new life into you know light into their life or whatnot but like she never appears in the book either you know I like that because it's Mm -hmm. not about her it's about it's about Rosalie and also he probably doesn't get better (laughs) I mean again this 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 isn't uh this isn't a movie for us to sort of watch and then feel better about this is this is someone's real life and their you know mm-hmm. their, their their honest story of of their of their life, not a story that they're adapting for a movie to make us all feel better. It's just him trying to cope with the fact that he lost his daughter and just putting it in words and pictures. No, I hear you. And to go along with it, they even talk about having another kid, and they're like, "Well, are we trying to replace her?" And it's like, "No, it's not a replace." But- well, and and then he goes on to this fantasy where they have nine kids, and he ties all of their hair blonde, and he makes sure that they all talk just like her, and and like mm-hmm. you're just like, "Oh, that's so weird and creepy," but that's what he's feeling. That you know, mm-hmm. he he just wants her back. Yeah, the, the the biggest thing is that n- none of us are parents. I mean, you know, Todd, you had your nephew son. Oh, but um, I understand. <laughs> brother, <laughs> brother, brother, yeah. So, brother kid. Brother kid, yeah. Um, so it's it's not an experience that we could ever even come close to us saying, "Hey, I understand what this person is going through," and that's that's mm-hmm. one big thing I've tried to do in life is you know we we've all had our share of trials and tribulations, and I've had experiences that you know you guys haven't, and vice versa. So when someone's like, "Oh, hey, I'm going through this." 
if I've literally had an experience like it, I can commiserate with them and explain, hey, this is what I was doing to get better. This is how I approached mm-hmm. it. You know, like, yeah, I totally get you. Like right now, like when I was, what happened to me, I wanted to punch someone too. That was just like your reaction to get over your grief. So with, with something like this, they, they say the worst thing a parent can ever do is bury their child. And especially to have a very healthy, happy, you know, young girl, uh, toddler who's a girl mm-hmm. who just, you know, they, they say at the beginning, like they went in, checked on her, she was fine. Five minutes later, she was blue. You know, that's that's everyone's worst nightmare. And the reason why I'm saying this, this, I like this book so much and why I think it's important is because this was his way of, I think, purging the demons from his soul. I mean, like, they were they were zombies after that. They were walking around, didn't know what to do. They, they specifically said they had a hole in their heart that was shaped, uh, that was in the shape of their child. And that's something that I can't understand. And, you know, because I'm not having kids, I will never be able to understand that. Uh, so for me, this was almost like a, a confessional. It was... It was mm-hmm. pouring his heart out onto the page. The only way he knew how. This is like the only way he could express himself and have it make any kind of sense to him. And yeah, I, I'm with Brian. I would have liked to have seen maybe towards the end, like, hey, this is how we've gone on with life, and this is how you know we we found our way to keep on walking and keep on living. But when he wrote this, and I think for people who it will genuinely affect, that may not be what they need right then and there. Sometimes you need that ability just to. You know, get it out of you, shake it out, throw it up, get it out of your system. And for me, I think this is what he was doing with that. And as as hard, I mean, it, this took me five hours to read. And it's not that long of a book, but I had to keep on putting uh-huh. it down, coming back. I went to go run errands. Uh, but I, if I'd ever had the same situation happen to me, or I could, I'd had that, I could understand what he was going through. Uh, I think it would have even been more impactful because the the valley of the shadow of death that he goes through and he and his wife both go through uh i thought he brilliantly portrayed on page and yeah maybe you know there was no it gets better at the end but i mean he's obviously still alive and he has kids now and uh he's he's doing things so we can see that you know just wikipedia and you can find out what's going on but uh at that it was it was a snapshot of that moment in their lives that need to be put down and kept and you know, mm-hmm. dedicated to the memory of their child. Oh, but here's my a question kind of regarding that thought process. If someone's creating a confessional, anyone is creating a confessional a project to sort of cope with their grief, mm-hmm. does it necessarily mean that that needs to be published or made public? I mean, couldn't he have made this art for his own personal sake? Uh, I mean, I, I guess it's a question of, of, of the audience and audience's involvement in this experience, I guess, is my question. That is an interesting question. Well, what's interesting is he has, he's published before. It's not like I'm going to publish this first thing before. So it's kind of what he does. And it kind of mm-hmm. was a bit of a, it seems to be of a go-to of, I'm going through this absolutely incredibly difficult time in my life, and how do I, you know, express what's happening and what's going through there? As uncomfortable, and maybe sharing with it and what he's lost is missing is part of the catharsis for him. So you're talking about the story ending abruptly, but maybe doing this is just part of the story and including us with it of going, we're not alone in it anymore, we can share this because so much of it is going of them just being so closed up. So I could see that being an aspect of that. I just don't get the sense that they open up that much towards the end either. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess it's just this, the, sure. this feeling that, like, all, all these pages are sort of... And I understand the catharsis. I understand the need. And mm-hmm. I, I, I do genuinely feel bad for him, and I feel like an asshole for not necessarily being a fan of this book. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it also, I just feel like maybe if he had, this, he had started this book, he had what we have here now, and then had continued to work on it for another year as he processed and went through it then there might be a little bit more of that process on there and as an audience member reading it there'd be something a little bit more fulfilling as me as an audience member him as an artist he got the closure he needed out of this book sure. not necessarily completely closure on his daughter but what the book provided for him was there but as an audience member i don't think for me at least it didn't provide enough of a catharsis for that experience to, and to I, me i and to me, I don't think that we are the intended audience. And that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. Like, I, I, as you're reading the book, and he's talking about, like, collecting the the dead children, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. people who have lost brothers, siblings, you know, whatever. Um, those people are the intended audience, I think. And so, in my, you know, literary opinion, because it's an, an amazing opinion, obviously. I'm a great literary <laughs> critic. Um... I think that by not putting a giant happy bow at the end of it and giving that, like, someone who's going to read this being like, I, 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 you know, I don't know how to feel, I've just lost my child, whatever, it, it 
to me, it's it's not giving them that false hope that everything's going to get better because who knows what their experience is going to be like. It could be completely different, mm-hmm. you know. Because you know they 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 tried to get pregnant in in this book and you know it didn't it didn't take you know for whatever reason probably because of stress. P.S. Stress, uh, you know, affects everything. So I'm I, I mean, but you know, there another person reading this book could have immediately gotten pregnant after losing a child, and then you know how different is that experience going to be? But I think this book is more geared towards those people who are just sort of looking for a just a, any sort of commonality of their child without the, the death of their child without giving them that and you're just going to be fine at the end like that little pat on the hand and say well you're just going to be great because you know they it may not be it may not be great for them well but so my, my thing is I'm not necessarily looking for a shiny happy bow in the ending of it what I'm saying is is that I don't necessarily see the disclosure and the fact my, one of my thoughts is is that this is sort of stream of conscious at one point in time in this book there is a discussion he has with uh, somebody who they talk about you know their parents when one of their siblings died and he talks about how you know they got over it and they said they never really got over it if that scene had been placed on the end I would have felt more closure from that than having it in the middle of the book so like even if stuff was reordered a little bit i might have been happier with the yeah, book but, than that so it's like but I, to me i just i i don't see how that is gonna give you closure when that's not how it ended for him but i mean if it's stream of consciousness i mean it could just be what he was thinking about at the time telling the story well yeah but the, everything but the, order. so like the, the, you know the end of his story is his friend giving him a phone call and finding out that rosalie had died I, I mean, it's his book. He can end it however he wants yeah. to, and he, obviously mm-hmm. you're also entitled to, to your opinions as well. And obviously, this book is just very, just sort of hard to get through. And and it is, it is also then hard to read something like this and still try to get an entertainment value out of it, being that it is art, and art is not necessarily supposed to be entertaining, but like. You know, we, we sort of expect that, and I guess for you, you know, you, you, you didn't get what you wanted out of it, which yeah. is which mm-hmm. is completely valid. I don't know. That, we're going to get into, like, metaphysical, like, what is art. <laughs> um, well, but, well I, I'm, I'm right with you, Q. This, this is not something that you're... It, it's not to be read for entertainment, and, I mean, I'm sure there's some probably some sicko out there who enjoy watching people suffer. Uh, but, no, this is... Like like Todd mentioned earlier, it's like Schindler's List. Like you're gonna go into it and you can come out respecting it for the, for the way it was done and for the message it tries to get across, uh, but you're not gonna put it on for uh, you know family movie night, <laughs> yeah, to go sit down and have fun with. I mean this is, this is an experience someone went through and, you know, by his trying to share it with everyone else, hopefully touching on people who maybe have gone through the same thing and are looking for that outlet or something that, because sometimes in, you know. Uh, Brian, you keep going back to the whole, like, oh, the happy ever after. Sometimes when you're in that much of a depression, because there's so much horrible things going on around you, you don't always want someone to say it gets better. You just want someone you can cry with and be like, yeah, there, someone's, oh, thank God, someone's gone through this. Someone knows where I am, and I can 100% relate with that. And I, I, that's kind of what I see with Rosalie Lightning. It's, it's you know, he, he does make mentions of the hero's journey, but this isn't really his journey. This is his... I'm putting this out there because I didn't have anyone to... I didn't have a place to lean to when this was happening to me. Maybe someone can actually use this as their crutch when they're going through something. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I'm, I'm asking for a happily happy resolution. I just didn't feel like... I didn't feel like the characters progressed. I felt like they were all completely down the entire time, and I just felt like it just didn't go anywhere is my issue with it. So I don't... I, I personally, I wouldn't get any catharsis from this myself either because I just didn't feel like it went anywhere. I didn't sense growth is my issue, and that was more what I was looking for. That's fair. I mean, the ending of it in itself is a bit of that that yes with that growth of the tree. I mean, it feels like Yoko Ono'd the ending. A little bit. So, in that regard, and then showing this drawing and then a sapling that grew into a tree. As much as anything I was watching it is, is, you know, I think there might be a path forward. More than there was a path forward is, is I think there might be one, as much as anything there. Yeah. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying, absolutely. Okay. Well, with all that fun, does anybody have any uh, final thoughts on this? Don't just go and read it. So, don't go and reading this book thinking that uh, you're going to get the made for TV movie Mm-mm. ending. Don't go into this yeah. thinking that you're even really going to get a story. Um, what you're kind of getting is just someone using their chosen art form of you know of their life kind of thing 
to just deal with their grief and pain, and that's really about it. I mean, it's going to depress you a whole lot. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. just, yeah, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, I, and I, and I, and I think maybe that's where the disconnect is, um, mm-hmm. is the fact that, you know, we're still going in thinking and hoping that this is going to be an actual story, like a story with a beginning, middle, and end. There is some sort of resolution at the end. This story doesn't make you feel good at the end. It doesn't. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not wrapped up clearly. It's just not that kind of story. It's not like um, Terms of Endearment where the death of a child is, you know, and then the credits roll and everyone just feels, you know, a little, you know, a little better about themselves. No, that's that's not what this is. See, for me on movie-wise, that seems to be closest in spirit is that Studio Ghibli cartoon Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah, where you just walk away feeling awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, incredibly well done, but I had my wife watch that, and she was upset with me after that one. Yeah, but Grave of the Fireflies is just one of those movies where you watch it, and I, I do recommend it, but it does stay with you. And is that a sign of it or something or not? I don't know. But it does stay with you. Uh, I mean, Todd, do you have some final thoughts on this? Um, I am the one who recommended it. I mean, yeah, it's a downer, and I'm kind of apologizing for being such a downer. <laughs> In a lot of ways, but at the same time, as um, as much as as great as your happy pop song can be, I mean, I guess to appreciate the ups, you have to recognize the downs. Though it's not fun dwelling in the downs per se, but it is. It brings perspective and gratefulness for other things, and as much as anything else. I, I mean, I don't regret having done this, but it is. It was a journey. I mean, it was tough to go through again. Even the second time, it was still tough. Enjoyment's a tough word to give it, but it did leave quite a mark, I guess, would be the best way I'd put that. Yeah, I mean, after you finish reading it, you just want to go to your loved one and give them a hug. That's my ending thoughts with this. Um, I'll go next so that I'm not, you know, the last mm-hmm. person leaving it on a downer note. I guess just my issue with this book, ultimately, is, and like, I, I, I don't have a problem with him using his catharsis and whatnot. I just feel like if it's something that's going to be published and I'm not looking for something that's happy, I've, I've read and seen things that are mm-hmm. break the norm of normal storytelling. I just felt like because of the way the story is, I feel like it pulls some of the power away from itself is, is my feeling on it. I felt like that maybe perhaps there might have been a better way of, of telling the story um, and that if it was purely for his catharsis, it doesn't necessarily mean that as an audience we need to read that. It, it definitely probably is something that he needed to get out of his system, but as... A reader. If I'm going to read something that was someone else's catharsis, um, and I'm going to gain something out of it, I feel like it might need to be filtered uh, a little bit for me to get the same impact out of it. Um, and I just didn't feel that way out of this book. I just feel, I, I didn't feel like there was much progression on the characters. That's my beef. Other than that, I mean, it is, it, it's a hauntingly beautiful book. It's not a typical comic book like we read here, but the art is very indicative of the emotional state in which the author is in as he discusses different issues, which that is definitely uh, a very interesting uh Part of this book and a positive I can leave with it but I just I guess the overall story arc and the way the story is told kind of bothered me a little bit uh, Adam what are your final thoughts um, so like I said before it's uh, this isn't a book you read for enjoyment uh, this is I know it's it's hard to recommend because I think it's so well done and it's very important and tells a story that people need to read but again it goes back to what I said at the very very beginning of the episode was this is for a certain time in your life, and so I, I can't say go out and get it. That said, if you if you were going through a situation where like maybe you were dealing with the stages of grief or were in need to, to see something that you could look at and be like, yeah, this guy knows where I'm coming from because he's been there, um, then I could recommend it wholeheartedly. But it's kind of hard to say what that time in your life would be. And also, it's if that would even be something you'd want to experience because sometimes when you're when you're at that kind of low level, this could be cathartic, or it could just be throwing more fuel on the fire. So, uh, yeah, it's. I, I'm glad that I read it. I wish. Uh, I don't know. It's it, it's just, it's, a, it's a really really tough book. It's I don't know. It's it's, it's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just there's there's so much in it, and there's, it's so heavy, and there's so much context that again, like I said, I think everyone does need to see and understand, but I can't say exactly when you should. So. Yeah, kind of, kind of at a loss of words. This one really took me aback this week. Uh, that is that is fair. Uh, 
Well, um, on a more positive note, does anybody have any recommendations? <laughs> um, I will go first. Uh, <laughs> let me think of something good real quick. Oh, um, yeah, I've been watching um, Abstract on Netflix, which came out semi-recently. I've enjoyed, I've seen about the first four or five episodes. Um, basically what they do is they take different designers and they kind of talk about the process. The first one is about a, a guy who is a graphic designer who's done a bunch of... Um, uh, illustrations for uh, the covers of New Yorkers, and the second one is about um, a, a famous shoe designer for Nike who did all the Air Jordans, and uh, the third one, I believe, is a set designer who does a lot of like the big concert stuff, like Beyonce and Jay-Z and that kind of stuff, and then the most recent one I watched was about an architect who's done some pretty interesting uh, work as well, and it's just about like their process and how they think about things, and if you're interested in art or design, it's uh, it's pretty pretty interesting stuff, um, and I, I liked it a lot. Pretty, uh, I mean, I don't know, it's pretty inspiring, makes you want to go out and make random shit, which is great, you know I mean? It's kind of a good, um, positive experience watching that, and then the other thing is that recently I've become completely and utterly obsessed with The Office on TV, or on uh, Netflix again. <laughs> I watched the show up until um, Michael left, I think, in that season seven or so mm-hmm. and i never quite finished it so i recently um because i just have I, w- I was homesick um a little while ago and so i i started watching a lot of stuff i think that's i think we talked about i recently also watched the uh, american crime story um about oj simpson i watched that in a day as well but uh so or maybe I, maybe i got sick after we recorded last that might have been when it was but my other recommendation is american crime story if we haven't discussed it already but yeah so i've been watching the office again um and uh i'm, I'm not quite back to where michael leaves yet but uh, a couple seasons off from that, but I've been enjoying that as well. Definitely holds up, actually, surprisingly. And all the, I mean, the funny thing is, I don't know, I don't know, maybe Adam or Q or actually anybody might be able to test this. When I first watched, I was like in college. Um, I didn't necessarily identify with it. Like there were funny characters, but I didn't necessarily identify with it as much. And now that I work in a corporate environment, mm. um, I identify with that way more than I should. Like to a ridiculous degree <laughs> of some of the stupidity of managers and sometimes the ridiculous <laughs> things that corporate does and like the the weird battles between HR and bosses and things like that um, and just the sheer utter boredom of working you know like I don't work in necessarily an office but I do work for a corporate environment and that boredom you get where you just want to torture your weird co-workers and I sadly identify with it way more now like I was like oh this feels way too real at this point in time so mm-hmm. definitely potentially worth checking out and you know a good laugh after if you've read this book you might need a really good laugh so uh, those would be my two recommendations Adam do you have any recommendations? Just been working a lot, but uh, I think I mentioned it before, but uh, this season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia has been one of the best ones they've had in probably the last five years. So yeah, check that out. It's really funny. And here's the really interesting thing is, you know, it's on FXX, which is cable, so it's pay cable, but it's not like HBO or um, mm-hmm. you know, Showtime. So the episode they did, oh god, this airs a couple weeks ago, it was uh, Hero or Hate Crime. And there's a scene in it where... Uh, our, our good friend Egg Fu was telling me because he'd watched this documentary about uh, I think a comedy I can't remember if it's on the History Channel or one of the one of the channels but uh, they just done one about dirty comedy and they mm-hmm. were going off uh, about Carlin's famous seven words you can't say on television oh it's on CNN <laughs> CNN's been doing a documentary about uh, about com- com- comedians yeah. and stuff like so that yeah. he, he watched that and then he went and saw the episode of Always Sunny right afterwards and we were talking about it the next day he's like oh yeah they just basically did the seven dirty words on Always Sunny but the interesting thing was uh, they didn't blame leap anything so yeah yeah it was just full on they uh they dropped the c the c word they said fuck they said cocksucker i mean (laughs) they pretty much just threw it all out there like it was funny because we we had recorded it and i I was like wait is this dvr is this on demand and uh, no so technically speaking because they're a cable channel and it's in safe harbor times they can kind of get away with whatever but actually safe harbor doesn't even apply to cable actually yeah Um, broadcast but still it's yeah. Most times, like if you like, like Comedy Central will do that. Well, they'll do unedited shows or movies. But generally speaking, they wait till midnight. So they kind of wait for the safe right. harbor time. But well, that, yeah, that, and that's just—it's more based on the advertisers and what the advertisers are comfortable with. If you have advertisers who are comfortable with your program saying "fuck" at three o'clock in the afternoon, and they will stick with you so that when the complaint letters come in, they say, "Well, we think that it was valid for them to say fuck," then you're okay. That's what—that's what's really dictating more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Same sort of thing. Uh, I mean, because I just talked about the. The uh, the American Crime Story. They say I think they say fucking it a couple times. Like there's some there's some language in it, but because it was I believe also on FX, you know there's some certain stuff they can get away with. The other thing I think is interesting is like um, I've been watching Family Guy um, on uh, on Netflix, and there is sometimes at a certain point in time they stopped censoring it, and I'm assuming that like they censored it when it was originally broadcast on Fox, but then for the DVD and for potentially late night 
uh, Comedy Central or you know Cartoon Network, mm. they might be able to allow it to be whatever it's going to be as well. Yeah, they started. It's like I, I back when Family Guy was funny. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was buying all the CDs of the DVDs of the seasons, and the first three seasons, yeah. the original ones, those are still censored on the DVDs. But when you got into like, later ones, when they came back, those are the ones where they'll they just. Yeah, there, there's no bleeping. So they still censor up to about season five. I've noticed. Oh, really? I just, I just don't like. I, I stopped buying the DVDs a long time ago. But I did, I did remember that they started just kind of throwing it out there. So well, and I had the DVDs for a long time, and then once they started putting stuff on Netflix, I was like, oh, I don't really need to do this anymore. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so. yeah, always mm-hmm. sunny. It's it's some of the best thing it's been, and thankfully it is because that movie Fist Fight was a goddamn piece of shit and made me hate Charlie Day. So always, <laughs> always sunny uh, is is getting that taste out of my mouth. So. And if you want to hear the uh, the seven words you can't uh, can't say on television, you can either go look at the Carlin skit or you can look up a Blink One Eight Two song called "Family Reunion," which has all of the uh, all of the words in it. I remember that one. Yeah. Yep. And tits. <laughs> it's it's uh, what shit put shit piss fuck cut cock sucker motherfucker tits fart fart tit and twat. Yeah. That- and then they end, they do that twice and then they end with "I fucked your mom." <laughs> That's the whole song. So there you go. There you go. So Todd, do you have any recommendations? I have two. Um, the first one I'm going to recommend I saw recently, uh, John Wick Chapter Two. Thank you, yeah, Adam. Our mandate. That was our mandate. And you know what? And everything that was great about John Wick was able to be upheld and then furthered in this sequel. I mean, it was a, it didn't try to be anything else than what it was before, and it didn't as too much there. And it was just fantastically done. And the CG work they had to do to remove cameras in that mirror room had to be incredible because that was awesome. <laughs> or, or there was a lot of post uh, post production on that. <laughs> yeah, that post production yeah. had to be crazy. But if you're looking for a good action movie, John Wick was. If you like the first one, you'll love the second one. And then the second one, I just got back from vacation, and one of the things I like to do with my wife as we go around is we do distillery tours of everything local. Mm-hmm. So they now make uh, vodka on Maui out of uh, pineapple, and they make vodka out of sugarcane. Because oh. why not? So I've got a yeah. bottle of um, ocean vodka, and it's made from sugarcane, and then the water is pumped up from like the bottom of the ocean or something Ooh. that's pure. So I've got a hmm. bottle of that shit, and you can't get it only in a couple spots in the States. And then I also have some POW vodka from Pineapples. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of cool and awesome. Does it change the taste much? I mean, it is just vodka. It is. I mean, the I will say the ocean vodka, there is a uh, thickness and a velvetiness with that water they mix it with. But no. And mm-hmm. for me to learn the difference between vodka and rum, I'm like, oh, they're different. But really what the difference is, um, when you're making vodka, you've got to initially distill it up to like 196 proof. Mm-hmm. And then you add water to bring it back down again. And rum only has to go to like 170 proof before you bring it back yeah. down again. I mean, the goal of vodka is odorless, tasteless, but they're not all the same. And so yeah. Ocean Vodka, I think, is pretty good. So I bought a bottle of that and then got that other one. And then I have some other rums I bought as well because I was curious. I haven't opened, even opened up my bags yet. I got five bottles of booze. I'm wondering if they made it. <laughs> but I'm kind of nervous to open up my bag. I had that problem when I went to on our honeymoon. I bought um, stuff from a distillery there and I lost one bottle but all my stuff smelled like vodka for a while yeah i think that uh that uh bag still smells like vodka there's worse um, things for it to smell like that's true well, you know, it's weird that's too because they mentioned you know, the whole you mentioned the point of vodka is to be odorless colorless tasteless blah 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 but uh-huh. when we were all up at a uh, high west doing uh, on that amazing day that was so much fun that uh, was a great time yeah <laughs> it was a really really cool day uh we tried their is it their seven thousand whatever vodka yeah, it had, like a, it had like a marshmallow flavor to it. It did. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. And I actually, it's kind yeah. of funny because that was in the uh, in the little uh, menu they had there. It was like, you know, these are the flavors you can expect. And they even said it was like toasted marshmallows. So there, that's my recommendations. Cool. Q, do you have any recommendations? Um, so I just finished the last season that's on Netflix of Switched at Birth. And God damn it, if that show is just amazing. Amy loves that show, too. I don't know if I'm familiar with that show. What is that show? It's completely terrible teenage soapy drama. <laughs> Um, okay. So it's like the grass. Yeah, uh, yes. It, it uh, is, it, okay. it, it, it's on Freeform, aka ABC Family. Um, I yeah. believe right now they're in the fifth season. I believe it's also their final season. But two girls are switched at birth, and then just the drama that it, you know TV. Because the thing is, like at first, it's like the switch 
that is like the drama, but then there's like then there's date rape and well, it gets way yeah, yeah, and immigration lawyers and political blackmail and all kinds of good stuff. But yeah, I've been addicted to the show for a while, and I'm a little sad that I finished what's on Netflix, and I have to figure out how I'm going to watch season five. But <laughs> it's it, it, if you love like that. 90210 Degrassi kind of stuff you like switched at birth. Hey, then in that case, then you need to start watching Riverdale. Well, and and the thing, I'm probably not going to watch Riverdale until there's at least like two or three seasons. That way I can just get it all in one shot. Because I actually hate TV in the sense that I can only watch one episode at a time. The only... There's, so there's two TV shows that I watch like that where I watch episode to episode and wait for it to be on Hulu are The Real O'Neills and This Is Us because I just do I really do love them. But other than that, I would much prefer just to wait. Like we're waiting for season three of Jane the Virgin to end so we can just watch the whole season because I I, mm-hmm. I, I hate waiting. Like I I hate it. So I'll, so I'll, I'll watch Riverdale eventually. Well, that rating is part of the same reason why I tend to only read trade paperbacks and not individual issues. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Uh, so that'll probably do it for this week, unless anybody has anything else. Uh, and next week, who recommended this? Because I thought Adam recommended it. He didn't no, think that it was, was the me. case. Was it you? Me, okay. No. Had, had, had you read it before? No, I ha- actually hadn't. You just want um, to read it? Okay. So I am a longtime fan of the real world on MTV. And I knew that this book existed, and I also knew who uh, Judd Winnick was from. Uh, he um, first wrote, uh, well, how he became, quote, comic book famous was he uh, yeah. wrote uh, The Green Lantern, I believe, uh, with Kyle Rayner. Oh, okay. And um, so, I, you know, I'd always know that this, book, that this book existed, and I always wanted to read it. And when you were like, oh, let's do ones that are based on real life, I was like, oh, this one, this is a good one. So, so uh, you know, a little, a little plug about it. So uh, the book is Pager on Me. Um, it is about the real-life friendship of Jed Widnick and a Pedro... Pedro Zamora, who met on the um, on Real World Three, San Francisco, and uh, and, and Pedro's battle with AIDS mm-hmm. and his uh, being a, a spokesperson for AIDS and 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 all that kind of stuff. Uh, cool. And uh, we should be. I hate guaranteeing these things because sometimes it never happens. But we should be being joined by our good friend Andy. Hi, Andy. Uh, <laughs> next week as well, uh, unless something horrible happens. And if so, you know, sorry, uh, I lied to you. But I, I hate doing that. But Andy's been pretty consistent, so I'm pretty certain Andy will be here. Uh, so, anyway, that being said, uh, unless anybody has anything else, uh, we're going to call that good. Anybody? Nope. Going once? Going twice? Yep. Good. Sold. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.